0: Hello, Be Awesome listeners. This is episode 85 of the Be Awesome podcast. I am excited, as always, to have a guest, and this guest comes to me from a past guest. Uh, this is an interesting one, going in the way back machine to episode four with Lieutenant John Bonney of the Stoughton Police Department. For those of you guys that don't didn't listen to that episode, uh, I actually did a drive-along. I won one in a charity auction where I got to do the midnight shift with John Bonney and drive around uh, to watching protect and serve. And he's just a great friend and a good person. And about a month and a half ago, he sent me a text message and said, uh, hey, can you tell me what kind of microphone you use? And we got to talking and he said, I got a great friend. He's doing some amazing stuff. And uh, nosy me, I said, I'm not going to wait for the guy to reach out to me. I'm going to reach out to him because I'm just so impressed with what he's doing. And uh, lo and behold, here we are on my podcast, with Sergeant Dean Jenkins from the Stoughton Police Department and Supply the Y. Dean, welcome to the Be Awesome podcast, first and foremost.
1: Oh, uh, Josh, thanks, man. I'm excited to be here. So <laughs> This is big for me.
0: Yeah, well, this is, the honor is all mine, I got to tell you, because I've been watching and following you since uh, since talking with John. And, and you're you're touching on some really, uh, I think what you call them is uncomfortable conversations, right? Is that what you call it? So we call them difficult conversations. Difficult conversations, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're having some difficult conversations, uh, and you're doing it weekly on, on uh, Facebook. And so it's called Supply the Why. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how this all came about and, and what it is.
1: All right. So a little bit about me. I am, My day job, I am a police officer. I am a sergeant in the town of Stoughton, and I'm in an administrative capacity. So basically, I am an armed clerk. If you, if you will, so I, I spend most of my time in 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 the office pushing paper. I'm in charge of public records request, accreditation, and training. so that that's where I spend most of my time during my day job. At, I am also a member of the regional crisis negotiation team. So a lot of people ask what that is. That is like when you watch a movie and there's a you know somebody that wants to jump off a building and there's a, a cop you know on a bullhorn saying, "Hey, please don't, you have so much to live for." That is uh, another duty that I have as well. And, and then my third duty for, in my police capacity is I am a defensive tactics instructor. So I, you know, I teach defensive tactics, and I explain use of force to new cops and veteran cops.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think actually the second time you and I spoke was the day after you were actually in one of those situations where you had the bullhorn, or there was this, it was in, I think, Attleboro, right? It wasn't uh, um, someone shooting?
1: Oh, that was in Franklin, yeah.
0: Franklin. Yeah, yes. Someone was held up in their own home or something like that. And did he shoot? Did he shoot I, at you guys?
1: He he shot at, at, at some of our SWAT guys, yes. Wow. So yeah, I mean it, it it was one of those things, Josh, where you know, sometimes you're in a situation and you feel like you're watching a movie. This was one of those times.
0: Yeah. I can only I can't even imagine just even being it, being in a safe spot and watching that in real life, let alone being in harm's, potentially being in harm's way and driving over to it, uh, which is amazing to me that the, the work that you guys do. Um, so where did Supply the Why come from?
1: So Supply the Why is a concept that I've, I've been developing for years without even realizing uh, it, it right now. It is an LLC, a business that I started, and we focus on leadership and cultural development. So what does that mean in plain terms? If you think about most of the leaders that you've worked with or worked for, one of the three largest complaints or compliments for those leaders always includes some form of communication. So what we do is we facilitate difficult conversations. That's what we specialize in. So if you think about, um, again, what I talked about with my defensive tactics right now, police use of force is a huge hot button topic in the country. Mm-hmm. Race relations is a huge hot button topic in this country. Mm-hmm. So those two things I've been getting inundated with requests that, you know, to explain things or to uh, provide trainings on certain, on certain aspects of either one of those, but that's not all we do, but it's mainly you know, lately. Those have been the two biggest things. And I just facilitate difficult conversations and try to remove the emotion from, uh, from those conversations with fact and logic.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's really been, uh, so I was listening to um, the cancel culture one. Yes. You did one on cancel culture, which, by the way, I didn't know anything about cancel culture. Uh, I still feel like I know very little about it. Um, but you really, it was interesting. Um, I think it was you that put it in. You're like, you know, you know uh, everybody does something wrong sometime and how long do you hold it? you know, how long do you hold that over their head and you're a different person from 20 years ago. And apparently that's what these people do is, you know, they, they, they hold you against every, every act in the world. But it was, what was interesting that you did was, you know, there was, you play devil's advocate, you, you, you explore questions, you ask tough (laughs) questions. Like it, a lot of times people wouldn't even engage in a conversation. Like I don't even want to touch that. I, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to learn about it. And I have my, my way of thinking and that's all there is to it. But it's it's interesting, that one. And then um, there was the one, uh, I think it was the most recent podcast that you did with, they were talking about, um, you know, tasers and beanbag shotguns. And, uh, you know, there was there was some questions that came in and it was like- it, it Use was, of force. Yeah, yep. the use of force one. Um, it, it Really kind of, it, it's just interesting. A lot of things that I didn't know. And it's, there are these conversations that I think everybody should really hear, especially with regard to, um you know first responders and police I mean all of the things going on with defunding the police and that use that that uh, use of force there was a recording uh where they were telling them to put the knife down the that was it was the scenario right at my own I I think I've listened to all your episodes and I don't want them to go one in the other but um
1: right now you're batting a thousand yeah that's so, a, that's exactly I had two and that was yeah, one of them yes
0: yeah so that was the uh um, you know, put the, put the gun down, put the knife down, put the knife down. He said it like a hundred times and they kind of went through the whole play by play of what happens. And I think for me, you know, like I said, I can't imagine you being in Franklin. I couldn't imagine getting in my car, driving to Franklin, knowing, knowing full well, there's a guy with a gun holed up in his house that most likely is going to shoot at us because, uh, and it was a tagline, if you're suicidal, you're homicidal, I think was the, the, the guest said, Right.
1: It, is isn't that isn't that gold? I mean, yeah. if you think about it, that is a golden nugget of a comment. Yeah. And it
0: makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, and I never but you know, until I listened to the episode, never even thought of that. I thought it was, you know, just someone suicidal and don't think about what what, what lengths they're willing to go. But if the length you're willing to go is to end your own life, why wouldn't you be willing to end other people's lives? I mean kind of kind of interesting stuff. But you know, with everything going on in the world, it's it's really it's not a breath of fresh air, but it's good to hear that these conversations and the dialogue is being had. Um, what What's your feedback been? Like, how's it? How, I mean, you've grown like crazy since like this really kind of just started the the FaceTime live and the podcast just starting the last couple months, right?
1: Yeah, it's been about a uh, little over three months now. And we've had to, re- you know, there's been some growing pains. As I'm sure you can imagine from, from, from your beginning to where oh, yeah. you are now. And and, you, you know, you try things and you fall flat on your face, but you got to dust yourself off and get up and, and, and make adjustments. So that's what we've been doing this whole time through.
0: Yeah. Did you have did you have the police chief from Ferguson? Was that?
1: I did. So that was my very last episode. Um, can I tell you a funny story about that?
0: Yeah, please do.
1: So the very first difficult conversation that I that I ever had where it was recorded mm-hmm. was a group of of young adults and my older brother were on a call on a zoom call and we were discussing police use of force and just the state of race relations between police and all other kinds of very difficult emotionally charged subjects Mm -hmm. and i reached out to the chief of ferguson on linkedin just like on a whim like i just i i needed i'm usually not a guy that has a difficult time putting words together but for this one i was like i need to know what the best way to approach this subject is because after what happened to George Floyd, you couldn't talk to anybody about anything. You couldn't get police and, and members of, of, of minority communities to agree that the sun usually comes up in the morning. You know what I mean? That's how far apart everybody was on things. So I reached out to uh, Chief Jason Armstrong, who's become a friend of mine. And I just saw a message, hey, like this is what I'm doing. I'm about to have a conversation about this. I reach out to you because nobody in the world Nobody in the United States is having more difficult conversations than you are, because if you, if you think back, Josh, Ferguson, Missouri is, was almost the birthplace of, of Black Lives Matter with the you know, Michael Brown versus yep. Officer Darren Wilson situation, the, the famous or infamous hands up, don't shoot situation. Yep. So I reached out to him, and lo and behold, he got back to me probably within 15, 20 minutes and said, hey, um, you know, why don't we have a Zoom? Why don't we have a, a, a video call about this? Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there, I'm grabbing my wife. I'm like, can you believe this? I mean, this guy's like in the police world, you know, he's like a celebrity because he has one of the most difficult police jobs there is. Mm -hmm. So a few hours later, him and I, we link up on a Zoom call, two two hours into the call, after several aha moments, after several beard scratching moments, he provided so much clarity, not only just to have that conversation, Mm -hmm. but how to, you know, career advice, how I should view challenges in my career and how I can turn a difficult assignment into a career building opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it was just so so you know, fast forward a few months, he reached out to me again, like you know, completely, you know, without me reaching out to him and said, hey, when are you gonna have Big Brother on your show? <laughs> <laughs> so after picking my jar up off the ground, because A, you know, I yeah. I didn't realize that people in, in the Midwest were really listening to what I was doing. And B Again, here's this person that I have on a pedestal asking mm-hmm. me to come to my show so he can tell his story. So uh, I had to make that happen uh, super quick, and it was an amazing episode. It's uh, uh, season two, episode eight, the finale yeah. of Difficult Conversations with Chief Jason Armstrong. So I saw, Check it out if you haven't seen it.
0: So I was scrolling around because you did, I mean, you, you let the cat out of the bag about tonight on your social media. And I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress with social media. I actually went quiet uh on social media for about the last two months like almost like to the point of non-existent um and I and I went on to on the Facebook today and had you got that tag um and so I started scrolling through all the videos and I'm like oh I didn't see this one I was like Ferguson Missouri wow that I got to get on that one so that's going to be uh, tomorrow's listen hey the answer's always no until you ask and it sounds like he was just waiting for you to waiting for you to reach out and call him by 15 20 minute turnaround response time so
1: 100 percent. I, I gotta admit josh I, I i you know like sometimes you know you know when you're in the moment and yeah. you see all the imperfections and things you're doing you're like oh, i'm not ready yet i'm not ready yet yeah and sometimes other people think you are ready yeah. so you're right you know every every question's a no if you don't ask it
0: yeah yeah. No, that's the hundred percent. And, uh, like I said, it's this, the, everything that has been going on the last six plus months, I guess it was, um, was it May 27th or April 27th? The days are all getting mixed up with me. Um, that everyone is just, it doesn't matter if you you're on one side or the other, you can't be, you can't look at thing, things with logic or any sort of reasonable behavior. It's, uh, I had uh, Dr. Liza Toulouse, and I don't know if you heard that episode or if you know her, but she's, uh, she graduated from o- Oliver Ames as well a uh, year before me. And um, we talked about diver- diversity and inclusion and equity. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I talked to her and I said, you know, I, I find it very hard that you can't support Black Lives Matter as well as the police at the same time you know i think that you can i think that you can do that i think that you should be able to do that i don't think it should be one or the other and i don't think that it should be you know this side against that side and and uh you know it was crazy for me um i don't know if i told you this but we our town had a a defund the police movement just like every community and every town and and i don't believe in necessarily defunding i believe in and making sure that funds are properly allocated and i think that we're looking at things the right way because everything changes right Sure. technology changes. Yeah. We can see how, how, you know, social media can impact and affect an election and can impact and affect how people do things. Um, so, you know, you do have to do kind of a factory reset and look and make sure that you're doing things the right way. And uh, I went to our town meeting in June and, you know, there was all of this, like, you know, we need to defund this and we need this and the amount. And, and I just got up and, I, you know, and it's last week in June, next budget year is July 1st. And I just got up and said, um, you guys are talking about defunding the police and supporting Black Lives Matter, but the only black people that are in this audience are the two police officers that are protecting us right now. And it was a fact; <laughs> we were, there were only there were only two there were only two people of color in the entire four hundred person uh, space, and they were both wearing a badge. And I was like, "How does that? What, if 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 you wanted to fund the police, there's a high likelihood you're going to defund one of their positions. Like, you got to think this through." And it was like. the the things that were said to me after the fact were somewhat astonishing. I was like, wow, it's like, it's, it's a fact. Like, look at the audience. Look who's there. Like be know who you're talking to. And uh, it's just crazy. So I I don't, I don't know. Uh, You're a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Well,
1: well, I appreciate that, but, but, but you're right. It is astonishing that people just can't seem to see the forest through the trees. Yeah. You know, they're so wound up in all this emotional baggage yeah. that logic has left the building. And for some people, it's left the building permanently. Yeah. So that's part of what I try to do. I try to um, use the fact that I am unique in a lot of different ways in that I, you know, um, for those who don't know, or if they can't tell, I am, I'm black. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in Stoughton, old Stoughton, that is no, was nowhere near as diverse as where, where we are now. Mm-hmm. I have, an, my, my wife is white, which means my children are different shades of brown in between us. I, you know, I'm a police officer and where I work, I am the only black police officer out of 60 plus sworn members.
0: Really? So, yeah. How long has, it been, has that been, how long have you been there and how long has that, I thought there were others.
1: So there were, so I transferred in, in 2014 and there were there, I made the fifth, I was the fifth black officer at that time. Mm-hmm. But since then the other four have uh, retired or just moved on mm-hmm. and it's the type of job where right now, not a ton of people want this job anyway. And I hardly, I, I, I've never met anybody that can name five different people of color that want this job which is another conversation I have when people are like, well, we need to diversify the police department and this, that, and the other I said, that would be great. I'd be all for that. Who do you have in mind? Yep. And then people, then it's crickets. People are like, well, I, I, well, not me. I'm like, well, if you're not going to step up and take the job like I did in the handful of other people, tell me who, who do, we, who do I talk to? Who do we nominate? Can you, name, can you name two, three, four, five people that want this job? Well, no, I, I, I can't. But, so I asked, well, where are we supposed to find these candidates from? Because I know thousands upon thousands upon thousands of of people, and I can't name three black people that already aren't in this line of work that want this job. Mm. So where are you going to get the minority candidates from? We can't just conjure them out of thin air. And 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 a lot of times when I say that to people, they have their aha moment. They realize that you know what, you're right. You know if there's if people aren't applying and taking the test and, and doing what needs to be done to get hired, then where's the candidate? There is no candidate pool. So you know that's that's one of many. Um, issues that I try to get people to understand by just talking it through with them.
0: I've never actually thought that to think through how many candidates I, I can't, I, I can't think of any, like I can't think of, I can't think of anyone in my, that's not already a police officer that says, oh, my son or daughter wants to go in the police force. That's of color.
1: And think about, think about all the people, you know, Josh, from your job that yeah. you interact
0: with. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm floored for a second here. Cause I'm just, I'm running through my whole, running through my whole Rolodex in my head and I'm like, Nope, 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 Nope. That's, that's wild. Uh, so why did you do it? Why did you, why did you join? Why did you want to become a police officer? Fantastic
1: question. And simply put all the wrong reasons. So I, I've been in law enforcement for 16 years Uh, I, it'll be six years since I've been in Stoughton on December 1st. So originally when I signed up to join the police, join, you know, getting the law enforcement, I did it strictly because I was in full-time sales. I was making pretty much full commission and I didn't have benefits. So I was like, you know what? I don't care what I do. Pay my health insurance. And I want to know what I'm going to make every, every two weeks, a hundred percent. Like I don't want other people's moods to determine how much money I make. Whereas, you know, if you're in sales, that's exactly what happens. You're at the whim of people's moods and what's going on in their lives as to whether or not they are going to use your products and services. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided to move into sales. I mean, move into police work from sales. And then I got into it and I said, all these people that told me that I was right for this job, they were right. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I, I, I love this. I, I enjoyed being in it and, I, and it stuck. So I got in it for the wrong reasons, but I stayed for the right reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've been doing this for sixteen years. Where were you? Where have you been? And how did you get back to Stoughton to your roots? Was that the plan all along?
1: It was not. um it, You know, like I said, I, I I grew up not liking you know like most young black kids. I grew up like having a huge distrust of police, and I had been on on the wrong end of of some questionable uses of of force or or or, or shows of authority that I've been on the wrong end of, and. That clouded my judgment. And then you mm-hmm. figure that I'm 44 years old. So when I was a teenager, what happened? Rodney King happened. Yep. And that completely made me very standoffish from police. And, you know, this is going to happen to me. And I'm listening to all that music that's talking ill of police and all that craziness. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was, uh, you know, a quick story. I think this, this is pertinent to what you're asking me. I, my junior high school, I played basketball and we got dropped off from playing one of the faraway way towns like King Philip or Franklin or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we get back to school late on a Tuesday night and that was back before cell phones. What happens when we get back? The school's locked, Josh. Mm-hmm. School's locked. So the only way for me to get in touch with my folks is to get to that payphone that's behind that locked door and there's nobody there. Yeah. It is. I'm going to say it's going to be, it's February. So it's raining and it's, but it's like a February rain. So it's like a 39 degree awful rain. So it's myself and this one cheerleader with no ride. So we make an agreement that, you know, that it's clear we're not going to be able to get into school. So we decide to walk. So I start walking her about a mile and a half to her house. And then I live at least another three, three and a half miles away from her even. So I'm not going to get home until like, it's time for me to wake up and go to school the next day. Yep. But it was just the right thing to do. So I'm walking her. So we're walking down. We probably made it about a, you know three quarters of a mile from the school. And keep in mind, she's white. And next you know, we see this bright white light shining from behind us. And I hear, what are you two doing? Or what I think is that behind me. Mm-hmm. So I turn around. And what do you know? Lo and behold, it's, a, it's the police. So I'm thinking, here we go. It's, this is my Rodney King moment. Mm-hmm. I turn around slow and i point to the name of my jacket i'm like i don't know i was like it's me it's, it's dean jenkins you know me i play basketball football like i'm like there's no problem he's like i'm not talking about that i'm like what are you doing talking out in this rain <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you know like i'm a little more relieved but i'm still skeptical because i got rodney king on the brain now yeah and you know he's, you know and he's like you know he's like get in the car so he calls us over tells us to get in the car he has me sit up front he has a cheerleader sit in the back. We drop her off first because we're about three-quarters of a mile from her house. Then after he drops her off, he looks over at me and he turns his radio up. And it's 94.5 WZOU, the Zoo Cat. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, Josh, but that was the first like station that played hip-hop.
0: Yeah, I had Baltazar. I, I he was, I think, on 94.5. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I had, he used I to had use him the on the jam scams. Yeah, I had him on my podcast over the summer. He lives in Easton. Well, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. So, so, he, so he
1: turns up 94.5
0: yeah.
1: and I go, I, I turn and smile at him. I said, you, you like hip hop? Yeah. And I'll never forget it too, because he was probably maybe like 30 and I'm yeah. like 15, 16, or 16, I believe. So 30 seems like a million years old when you're 16. Right. So he's not an old guy. And I, you know, when I turned around to him after, and I asked him that and he goes, what am I supposed to listen to? And that was like, even at 16, that was an aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. I had completely just stereotyped this guy the way people stereotype me when I am in my hoodie and my work boots and this, that, and the other thing. So lo and behold, he drives me home. We're in my driveway and, and, he's, and we're talking about Rodney King and he's giving me his take on it. And I'm telling him about why I don't want to be a cop and that cops are racist. And as a matter of fact, I hear that Stoughton cops are racist. Mm-hmm. And he turns around, he goes, Oh yeah. Well, who? What names? So I give him two names, Josh. <laughs> Don't you know that one of the names I just said was the guy I was sitting next to in the car? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So this guy who picked me up in the rain, drives me home, goes out of his way to make me feel comfortable in that car. I mean, he could have drove right by us, right? He could have right. just oh, yeah, left 100%. me there. Yep. And he goes out of his way to do this, and I basically, now I just call him a racist because of something I had heard from around town. So him and I, he's a great, you know, he was a great guy. Him and I ended up having a big laugh. And in the process, we torment my parents because my parents hadn't seen me. And I see the curtain being pulled back and they see a cop car in their driveway.
0: Yeah.
1: So my parents clearly must have been thinking that he was there to do some sort of notification or let them know that something had happened to their son. Because I was supposed to be home or they were supposed to hear from me hours ago. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. And I, you know, so I get out of the car. Him and I talked for a half hour, 45 minutes. I get out of the car, I go in the house. And my parents are like, what's going on? Are you okay? What, you know, why are you in that cop car? And I say, hey, it's okay. It's okay. I had a, I just had a, a wonderful conversation with this guy. He picked me up. I couldn't call you because the school was locked. And this guy picked me up and drove me home. And then he, and then he, he wanted to talk to me about life, give me advice. It's all good. And that was when I started to maybe look a little bit more a little bit differently at police officers and then a couple of bad things happened to me afterwards yeah. but i always remembered that conversation that i had with that officer and i knew that i couldn't just judge every officer based on the three or four bad interactions i had when i had literally hundreds of positive interactions with police officers um if for no other reason just because you know sports and seeing them from around town Mm-hmm. So that's my long winded story about that. Sorry about this. Is, I went on a little bit, but
0: do, do, you, do you still see him or have you, uh, did you ever go to him and say, Hey, look at me now. I'm a police officer. And I have,
1: I have. So, so him and I, we still, we still do keep in touch, you know, via social media. Um, I don't see him around very, very much. I mean, I know he's doing very well mm-hmm. and I have thanked him for what he did for me that night and, um, and just being human when I needed somebody to be human to me.
0: Yeah. You know, you, you've touched on something there. The, 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 what so many people can't really think about, especially younger, younger people. Rodney King, like when that happened, that was like over the shoulder camcorder, you know, viewing. There was no uh, video phones or any of this stuff. It was like a legit full-size camcorder and the riots that happened in Watts because of that and everything that happened, that, that did something for me, you know, that impacted my mindset back then that I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe one that, that police would abuse someone like that, especially when they probably knew the cameras were on. I was like, they didn't care. And then people were hurting so bad that they were, they were rioting and they were going into all this. I could never wrap my head around, what you just shared, which was, you know, when you had interactions with police, you thought there was a high likelihood, no matter what, that there was going to be a problem. Like, it's hard for me, being a white male, even when I lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, even though I was a kid back then and I was considered the minority, I could never, I can't. That's hard. Like, and to hear that, that's hard. Like, for you to live your life like that, and then to, and then fast forward, you go and become a police officer. Like, that's a yes. <laughs> it, it 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 really is it's
1: something that again i didn't grow up wanting to be a cop um i never talked about it in fact i was uh i was very disrespectful to people um that that recommended that i that i get in this line of work and if you're listening i apologize i was just being a kid um i didn't know i didn't really realize the gravity of what you were putting on me when you when you were asking me about that so again if any of you were out there that that recommended that to me i i am sorry if i uh if I was rude to you or if I just was a little short when you brought that up. So the importance of me being in this position now is not only, I'm a big believer where if, if I feel something's wrong and something needs to be fixed, somebody needs to step up and be the change and do, and do the fixing. Mm-hmm. And I very much, I am not the type of person that says that walks in a room and says, wow, this is messed up. Everybody in here, y'all need to fix this. Let me know when it's done. That's yeah. not me at all. I'm a roll up my sleeves and I want to get involved type of guy. And I also wanted to be the kind of police officer that because of things like Rodney King, I wanted to teach other police officers the right way to apply force, Mm -hmm. the proper way to look at a, at at a potential threat and the proper way to maybe diffuse something before it comes bigger, it becomes bigger than what it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And that's something that in my capacity now with all the different hats I wear, that's something I have the opportunity to do. And I get to advocate for people that are on the wrong end of, of, of racial injustice or just any kind of group injustice. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, one of the big things people do now, Josh, is they try to weaponize the police against people they don't like. Mm-hmm. So if you're my neighbor and you're having a cookout and I didn't get invited and I'm feeling some kind of way about that, now I'm calling the police because one of your guests parked four inches onto my grass. hmm Instead of going over and knocking on the door and saying, hey, you know, hey, you know, great. Do, do you mind having whoever's driving this car just kind of, you know, adjust it so you don't jack up my grass? Or, for example, I got a call not that, not that long ago, maybe a couple of years ago when I was still a patrolman, about somebody, about a, a black male breaking into a car. Mm-hmm. So here's the, the nuts and bolts of that story. So it's during the day. It's about eleven a.m. on like a Tuesday, some off-brand day in the middle, and we're talking like right in the middle of our town, like right by the train station. You know where that is? Yeah. Like that's that's the that's the hub of the town, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So myself and and one of my coworkers, we get called down there to investigate. We go flying down there, and it just doesn't feel right because who breaks into a car at eleven a.m. during the busiest at um you know during the busiest time? You know how mm-hmm. how could. There aren't very many people that think they can do that and be undetected. Mm-hmm. So we go down there, we run the plate, and the name jumps out to me right away. I know this, I know that last name because it's a unique spelling of a name, and I know it to be another black police officer from a jurisdiction I'm very familiar with mm-hmm. that lives in a town that there can't be too many other black police officers living in. Yeah. So right then and there, my spider senses are going. Ding, 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 ding. There's something wrong here. Then I'm looking at the car and there's nothing that looks like primox. There's no damage to the car. So I'm like, all right. Then I see a young fellow with a backpack on coming out of the car casually. Mm-hmm. And I remember that this, this officer I know has a son that would be a young adult. Yeah. This car's parked in front of a barbershop, Josh. <laughs> all, this, all, this, all this young man was doing was getting a haircut. Yeah, That was it. He, he did what all of us did when we get our license. We mm-hmm. borrowed our parents' car to go do what we needed to do and go get a haircut. So now I'm fuming because I've been on the other end of this, this whole weaponizing the police thing. So now I, mm-hmm. I call back up I say, hey, do you have a callback number for the person that called us in? They said, yes, we do. I said, I want you to get on the phone with this person. I want you to have them meet me at XYZ location. Sure enough, this person meets me there. I meet this person. I go down there and I introduce myself, said, hey, did you call about this? And and they're like, yeah, that car was way too nice for a kid like that to be driving. Mm-hmm. She actually said that to me, Josh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And needless to say, and when, I, when she said that, I looked over at the guy that I was dispatched with and he's always seems to be with me when these racially motivated calls come in. So
0: mm-hmm. now
1: he's smiling because he knows how I roll. He knows that I am now going to switch from the officer to Dean, the advocate. Mm -hmm. And I go up one side of this lady and down the other, no profanity, nothing rude. And I just explained to her what it was she said to me. I made her say it back. And I said, how do you think that sounds saying that to me as a black police officer? And she starts stuttering. I said, I want you to know what you did was wrong. You had no right to do that. And nothing you saw would lead a reasonable person to believe that a crime was being committed. You called us simply because you didn't like the way somebody looked. And they had a nice car.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that and that's what that's part of what I enjoy about being in this job. That's why it's so important to have diversity in this job. You need people that can advocate, that will advocate for people um that are that are being mistreated, not not even just by police, by citizens that use the police mm-hmm. to harass people, because that does happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I got I got one for you. This is this is interesting, listening through all of this and putting all this together and watching, you know, as I told you, I, I creeped on you. Before I reached out to you, I creeped on you. I watched your YouTube videos and I did searches for you. And I'll tell you, it's it's pronounced Dean, but it's D-I-N Jenkins Correct. J-E-N-K-I-N-S. I, I, I challenge people to look look him up on YouTube because there's some really powerful videos. One of them was a um, a commencement that you did for the high school graduating class. I think it was, and it was yes, a, sir. I think it was a year after. It was it a year? It was either the year before or the year after your. Your father passed away, and it was a month month after. Month after, okay. And you talked about how you ended up in Stoughton because people didn't told you not to live. You, you know, you couldn't. You don't want to. They didn't want you to live in Randolph, right? Because there weren't. Uh, tell that story, because I, I know I'll butcher that. I, I've been I've been so spot on so far. I don't want to screw up now by getting the story hey, off.
1: Hey,
0: no problem. <laughs>
1: so um This is going back to 1976, the year I was hatched. Yeah. My parents had had worked their way to the point where they had enough money to live to fulfill the well, at least begin the American dream of being a homeowner. Mm-hmm. And they were looking to stay in Randolph because they, you know, like any place you go, you start, you know, you start to get to know some of your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You have some friends, and, there was, and you know, and, the, and it was right up the street from from Boston because you just take Route 28 right into Boston. Yeah. And 20 minutes, 25 minutes up the road. It just was a good spot that mm-hmm. they felt comfortable in. So real it has started showing them uh, awful plots of land, you know, pl- like not the types of plots of land you can, you really would want to live in with mm-hmm. children. You know, maybe something where the street is, is, you know, five feet away from your, your, your front door yep. or something where if you walk out your, your back door, you're, it's almost like a dead drop down a hill, You know, like they just just not great properties no offense to anybody else that has a property like that but that wasn't what my parents were looking for because they had my older brother and then i was about a month old so they anticipated us wanting to be out in the yard and play and do all the things that that kids should be doing hell on wheels hell on wheels <laughs> so the realtors were trying to streamline my well, not trying to they were successfully streamlining my parents out of randolph which is Mm -hmm. ironic because if you know anything about New England, Randolph's probably the most diverse town in all of New England right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I digress. So we ended up in Stoughton and my, you know, it seemed like misfortune at first,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to us because we ended up on a wonderful street, um, cul-de-sac street where my mother still lives today. We had a ton of kids that were our age. We had people that were uh, um, maybe a little skeptical at first, but then when they got to know us and they, and they got to know the content of my parents' characters and they got to, to see what my, uh, what my brother and then eventually what myself and my younger sister were about, uh, we became beloved members of that community and we loved our neighbors and they loved us. And it, was, uh, it really was a dream to grow up in that street, in this town, and, and with the way that we were treated and the way we were received for the most part in this town.
0: So I grew up next. Well, I didn't grow up. My, my, fa- my family, came here in 1966 from Madeira, uh, which is an Island off the coast of Morocco. And I bring the story up because, um, I think they had the same, the same dialogue about Brockton, you know, the immigrants, <laughs> immigrants moving to Brockton, what are you doing? You know? And I, and I, my grandfather's passed away 20 years now, but, um, just listening to your story about moving on and Brockton, uh, just recently, um, the, the uh, black population has exceeded the white population there for the first, time, that. The first time in history. And I'm sitting here saying, well, well somebody's got to do something to come up with a program or come up with something. And I don't know if it's out there or not, but by the sounds of it, there isn't. That, that, that engages with black youth to get them, one, to try to not be fearful of police, and then two, to get three to five names that would be interested to become police officers. Like, is there a program or is there something already that's out there that's being put into practice that's, that's effectively getting that, that word out there or getting some traction? I mean, that's, that would seem like the most logical idea to me. Like,
1: so one thing that we do have in place is we have school resource officers. That's a stop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when people say things like we need to get police officers out of schools, that's actually the worst thing you could do. So I I spent most of my police career in an academic environment. I worked at several colleges and I worked as a school resource officer for a year in Stoughton. And let me tell you, the relationships that you build with those kids Mm -hmm. are lifelong relationships. Like for example, the first ever difficult conversation. Those were kids that I built what I call a relational credit score with those people. Mm -hmm. And a relational credit score is just like a, a financial credit score. You have to show that you are reliable. You have to show that you pay your bills on time. You have to show that you make X amount of money. Like there's all these checks and balances you have to have in order to have a decent credit score, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that, well that's no different when you have a, when you build relationships with people. People say you wanna build relationships off trust. Well, in order to have a relationship built off trust, you have to build trust by being a man of your word. You have to build trust by being the type of person that holds people accountable but also, you got to be the first one to throw your arms around a kid when he does something great mm-hmm. and, tell him, and tell him how much you care about him. you got to be the type of person that can guide a kid about what he, needs, what he or she needs to do in order to get a job and, and, and how to prepare for a job interview. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all these parts of, the, of those three words, school, resource, officer, but the most important word is resource. You have to be a resource for these kids, and you do that, step one, by building your relational credit score with these kids by doing all of these little things and being somebody that, you know, you mean what you say and you say what you mean. And that's the first step. But there's other things like some, some departments have cadet programs. Some departments have police explorer programs. Those aren't bad, but those are for the kids that want to be cops already. Mm -hmm. So it's time for us to, to change the way we, we, we interact with the youth and do more to get out there and engage the youth, and I have a few ideas, but um, you know, people gotta want to. People that make those decisions have to want to do it too. It can't just be you know just somebody's you know one non decision makers ideas.
0: Yeah. Well, I think putting them out there, put them all out there, make the ideas happen because we got to do something different because like I say, you stumped me. I mean, we, we went into this thing with, uh, you know, kind of quiet uh, expectations of how this was going to go to make it kind of free flowing and comfortable. And when you said, you know, name the three to five people of color that uh, that want to be police officers in your life. And I can't come up with one. I sit here and say, well, that, that right there is one of the bigger problems out of all of this. And like you say, if we don't have, pool of people to pick from how do we put the people in those positions and i'm sitting here going how do you how do you fix that and and then you bring up the student resource officer i don't know if you've ever heard of this um but they they sell shirts primarily it's called dude be nice but they have a dude be nice movement i'll send you the link but there's a, a school resource officer basically what they do is they they sell shirts to an entire school or entire community and then they showcase and celebrate someone's being awesome basically but it's called dude be nice And um, they had a student resource officer in California and they set it up so that he was going to support a female student that I think, I think it was that she was, that she was the story was that she was pregnant or something had happened, you know, that was monumental and she wanted, they wanted him there and he went there to comfort her. And they in turn had this huge celebration to thank him for, for doing exactly what you're talking about, uh, building that trust and that emotional um, that emotional bond with everyone and people looking up to them. So that's, that's, that's cool stuff. And I, 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 I uh, there is such a movement with, with uh, resource officers. I, I, I and I, I can't figure that out for the life of me as to why we wouldn't want more resource officers opposed to less. Um, so very, yeah. very interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, you, you know, you train them and you, you kind of have a, have a mold of what exactly you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And those are the people you identify and you put in the schools. It's, it's not a job for somebody who just can't handle the streets anymore. And you're, just, right. you're like, like, ah, I don't know where to put this person. Just give them to the schools. It can't be that. It's got to be somebody who, who wants to be there. It's got to be somebody that's a good fit. It's got to be somebody who has something to offer to, to these kids and has the energy to be a school resource officer. It's, it's not an easy job because you need energy to be around all these kids all day long. It's exhausting sometimes, but yeah, it's rewarding. And-
0: yeah, well, that's your audience. Your 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 the people that you're going to spend like when you say you know when you were working on, on the street you know with these calls your audience is a whole lot different than schools and the the uh, the way that you handle them is a whole lot different. So you know having a a hardened officer that's gone through uh, you know a lot of a lot of stuff out in the world and hates kids isn't going to be a good resource officer. <laughs> and that's probably where some of the challenges have come into play as to who, who gets fit. But I think it's, it's, it's a specialized, you know, specialized training, specialized everything. And someone that has to say, this is what I want to do. It's, it's, it's not just safety and security they're providing. It's giving hope for the future and an opportunity to expose what could be for these kids to have for a career like you have. I think that's really uh, an interesting way to look at it and, kind of bunch of, got a bunch of eye-opening thoughts out of this, this, this episode with you that I I I can't even, I can't even begin to run out of paper. Um, So what's next? What's, what, what's, what's on the horizon? You've been running a thousand miles an hour. First of all, you're uh, just, you know, the fact that you're just going, I mean, we talked about you doing a podcast. I had a conversation with you and the next thing you know, you got your podcast channel up. I mean, and you're you're doing this stuff. I mean, you've got some help and you've got some friends and family and stuff, but I mean, you're literally nights, weekends, holidays, you're putting in hours doing all this stuff, just trying to keep the momentum going and you're doing phenomenal. Um, you know, what's next? What, where do you, what's on the horizon? You're going to keep doing the weekly Facebook lives. Um, what's, what's the, the the plan?
1: So, so yeah, so I'm going to keep going with the, uh, with the, the Facebook live brand and, what kind of makes what I'm doing a little different than some of the other podcasts, Josh, is that I, because it's live, I mm-hmm. encourage people to ask questions of myself and my guest, because it's just like anything else. You know, I, you know, I do a lot of public speaking and teaching like you do and it's that type of th- that old adage where if somebody has a question and they ask it, you know that somebody else was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And because my conversation, they're so difficult and they're so for lack of a better way to put it, it's conversational beef stew. It's thick, it's chunky, and it is messy, man. You know, <laughs> and, and, and because it is that way, I want people to, A, I want them to ask questions. So that, so that does a couple of things. It shows people how I interact with people that ask questions, even if it's somebody, something that they probably should know mm-hmm. or something that they could find out on their own. I'm not there to belittle people because all that's going to do is drive people in, into the corners. I want people to feel comfortable coming to me and asking these questions and asking questions of the people I have on my show to show this as an example of what can be if we just had the moral courage to put our emotions aside for a second and just have a conversation, Mm -hmm. especially when it's with people that you've had relations. Like I'm seeing people ruining relationships, like lifelong friendships, Where all this relational credit score has been built up, all this relational credit's been capital has been built. You've had sleepovers, you've had dinners together. Your children play. You're part of the same club. You were teammates, and everybody's thrown that away in an instant because we don't agree on a political candidate. That's. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. I couldn't imagine throwing away a friendship with people that I know have cared about me because we disagree on something politically. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the mindset behind that? Do, am I supposed to believe that this person has been friends with me since 1994? They've been setting me up and fattening me up for the kill for 26 years just to turn around and say, ah, I gotcha. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're a racist. You're a racist. It took me 26 years to finally right. find the right moment to, in order to, to spring that on you. Mm-hmm. That's craziness. But that's what people's mindset is. And that's how simple people are thinking right now. And, um, and I'm going to do everything I can to be that mirror for those people that you can hold up in front of them and say, listen, you're better than this and you need to rethink this and let me guide you through that process. That is um, that's supply the why in a mindset. I mean, in, in a, you know, all wrapped up. That's our mindset.
0: Well, uh, listen, I, I tell you what I could talk to you for four days. I think that you, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to have you back on. I don't care if you want to come back on or not. I have to have you back because I think <laughs> you just, you're, you're going to, you're going to light the world on fire and you're going to make a difference and you are already making a difference. But I think as this thing continues to grow and you continue to reach out to police chiefs all around the country or people that you put up on a pedestal and they respond back, you're going to have people calling you and saying, Hey, how do I get on this with you? Cause you're just doing great stuff. Um, but I think what you're doing is going to improve people's thoughts and, and ideas on a uh, lots of things, not just on the police and not just on, how we feel and who's, who's a racist and who's not a racist. But I think you're, you're going to open people's minds up for them to step back and uh, think about being a little bit more kind, a little bit more open-minded with this stuff. So I think you're, you're on the road, my friend. And
1: uh, I, I certainly hope so. And thank you for your kind of words, Josh. It, yeah. it means a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean it and I'm in your corner as if it can help with anything along the way, but I also hold that, that I'm going to have to, I've got an open invite to reinvite you back. Uh, to, to talk more and pick your brain and learn more about you, because like I said, I got a page and a half worth of notes of stuff that I want to follow up on and look into and, and understand why or why something isn't yet. Um, because that's what we need to do. We need to look and look at look and think about things a little bit differently, not just in the way that we're set in our ways, you know, just like the woman at the bar with the kid at the barbershop. shop, you know that that should have been a, a learning experience where hopefully the next time that they have a knee jerk, Um, they go, ah, I remember that last time I had that knee jerk. Let me do a little bit more investigating. Let me do a little bit more homework. Um, you know, the funny thing I was having this and I'll close this out after this. The funny thing that I thought about today is I always, when I do my keynotes and things and I'm looking at a picture of my two boys in front of me, I tell people that this is the first generation that our kids are going to be smarter than their parents. Um, my dad, it was way smarter than me all through, all through, all the way up through my attempt to graduate community college um and smarter than me for probably forever um and our kids have so much access and accessibility and they're consuming so much content i mean think about when you and i were in high school we we as a side note we graduated the same year competing towns um he's from Stoughton black knights and i'm the oliver ames tigers and uh, <laughs> uh we're both black and orange uh, or our color yep. so Uh, you know, you had to make sure you had the right, your right uniform on. So you didn't get on the wrong team when you're playing against each other. But, uh, (laughs) you know, when we were growing up, we had to do something called book reports and we had to use things called encyclopedias. There was no Google, there was nothing out there. And there's so much accessibility today for information and content, but it gets so diluted with fake news on social media and false things. I heard anytime somebody says, I heard you gotta go time out. Where'd you hear it from? Who'd you hear it from? What page is it on? Where can I find proof of that? Because there's so much nonsense and, and, and falseness out there. And we let that consume our brains that I really feel like there's a part of me. that's like, I'm going to implement encyclopedias. I don't even know if you can get them anymore, but I'm going to get rid of technology. We're going back to encyclopedias because that's how we're going to consume the real good stuff. Um, and I think that's, you know, what you're doing is you're, you're helping cons- give people the ability to consume that good stuff. So um, I just completely sidetracked with an encyclopedia story to say thank you and all the great work you're doing. But uh,
1: <laughs> Hey, I'm you know, a middle-aged like man. I'm yeah, following yeah. <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> thank you. You remember an encyclopedia. And a I do. It
1: might cost my parents a nominal leg to buy <laughs> funkin and Wagnall's encyclopedias.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. And a big, thick dictionary. I mean, that's how we found our facts and that, uh, and that's how we found definitions. So, Listen, thank you so much for making the time to come on here. I uh, look forward to having you again, my friend. This has been uh, eye-opening. Uh, this has been uh, educational. And like I say, I can't wait to see uh, how you take this and, and continue to run with it because you got the ball and you're, you're, you're moving 100 miles an hour.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. I, can I ask you a couple questions first before you, you, we
0: go? Oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I was going to just ask you if you had anything else and get questions for me. That's good.
1: I do. Um, most important question is what – size t-shirt do you wear so I can get you a supply of the Y t shirt
0: I am a, a 2xl for anybody that wants that help wants, wants a shirt size that's what I am and uh, uh I will do a shirt swap with you because as a, as a guest you get a t-shirt and a coffee mug so uh that's that's coming your way so that's that's questions done and it got a reward on the backside of of Ooh,
1: I was gonna say I'm fresh out <laughs> of coffee mugs, but I do I do have some t-shirts yep.
0: so I yeah I
1: I would love to get you a t-shirt and um, and obviously, uh, I would love to have you on difficult conversations at some point.
0: Anytime. I'd would be you honored. be willing to to, to try it on the other side of the mic? Absolute honor. Uh, I am more than happy to uh, uh, give that a try and do the live questions and all that fun stuff. That anytime.
1: Uh, that that would be outstanding. So I just want to let people know. You know, you can find me on on Facebook, Supply of the Why youtube i have a youtube channel supply the wise so please if you like the content like it share it subscribe to it as josh as i've heard him tell everybody out there it helps it helps you move up the search and it, it just, and it helps get our brands out there so please if you like the content like it share it subscribe to it and i also have a podcast on amazon apple and spotify
0: yeah and i'll tell you um when you like it, cause you will like it. If you listen to it or watch it, you will like it. Find one person, one person that you know is got their mind closed right now and tell them to just watch, just take the time to just watch and listen because not only is it informative, it's all an educational, it's also emotional. It's, it's something that you look and you go, these are people. These are police officers that are people that love what they do, that are trying to help in many cases on these conversations. And and they're willing to have the difficult conversations that most people aren't today. And uh, I think that's important. So be sure to share it. Uh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan, a follower, a sharer, and a, and a spreader of this. So um, keep it up. I'll look forward to being on the other side of the microphone with you real soon. I love the setup. I mean, you're going, you're going places just with the setup, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Um, but that will do it for this episode. This was a, this was a doozy. This one was deep and, uh, I was honored to, to be able to have Dean come on. And like I said, I, you've heard it here first. He's coming back. I don't care what he says. Um, really appreciate everybody for last week's, uh, veterans veterans day week episodes. We did a lot of really cool stuff last week. Uh, we, we were able to, uh, we were able to raise some funds in a short amount of time. Uh, and we provided, uh, and I just got an email from, from the, uh, 79-year-old veteran that had a sign business in Brockton that was robbed and had his uh, his vitally needed equipment stolen. Uh, we brought him a check for $1,250 to help replace his equipment. And he was uh, surprised, grateful, and he he felt like um, he didn't know that he didn't think there was going to be anybody that would have done something like that. And that all came from you that listened, that bought t-shirts, that, that uh, supported the efforts. And we got a couple of flags out helping Uh, with shovel town flag we we were honored to be able to to uh, pick one of the uh, veterans that got a got a shovel town flag in recognition and appreciation for uh their their service and uh was surprised that chris gave me a a second flag uh to choose a a person for so that's uh it's been been a pretty emotional powerful week with with regard to that uh we are selling our shirts they're for sale online we've gonna have we are gonna have coffee mugs for sale uh, they have become very popular, not just as a giveaway, but people want to buy them. So we've got an order going in for that. Uh, you can find us Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I am much more active on social media, and I'm going to stay that way. Uh, learning lesson uh, on that is you got to just keep doing it. Got to keep putting stuff out there. Uh, Dean Dean does a great job of it. I'm going to try to catch up to him and uh, and really focus on giving you guys the the, uh, the content and the and the the messages that I can to help you uh, through all of this stuff. Cause we are still in a very challenging time, but most importantly, uh, just try to be kind, uh, take care of one another and, and, and just open the mind a little bit up. And uh, if you can be anything, be awesome.